The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We are a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never backs down from a fight, Josh Borboni. How are you doing this evening? Great. Oh, man. <laughs> Got her. <laughs> doing great. I'm doing great doing great will you still be doing great after the podcast i I don't know who knows (laughs) i'm (laughs) self-destructive well listeners hopefully that clapped it wasn't too loud for all of you as well uh but you know (laughs) we'll see we'll see so how's it going i do have a good nice big spike on my uh, audio bar oh yeah no i totally that's a good spike so uh, (laughs) you know josh we're back here recording on a monday again Yes. Uh, I was going to not mention that in case like big news broke today. So that when we got to predictions later, mm. we can just like not talk about the thing pretend the whole time and like just pretend we, we predicted it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, but here, right here we are back on, you know, recording on a Monday for probably the last time, at least for a bit. So uh, how has your Monday been? How was your weekend, Josh? What's going on, man? Uh, typical Monday, you know, the weekend, was, uh, the weekend was good, I think. I always forget, you know, how my weekend has gone. You know, having a five-year-old sometimes is very frustrating, and this weekend was. Are you sure he's five? A highlight of it. Yeah, I mean, terrible fives, right? That's what they call it. I, I sure. I don't know. I just it's terrible twos. Man, I know he just that has I know, th- but... three years of terrible twos. <laughs> <laughs> just seems like it can't. It just seems like he was born yesterday. I'll show you a text message I sent to the group yesterday when he had to go to bed and he didn't want to go to bed last night. He actually watched Hamilton with us last night. Oh, nice. Stay up late. He said when he was going to bed against his will to me that he wanted to set me on fire and throw me in the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Seems dangerous. I might burn the house down. Typical five-year-old behavior, right? (laughs) Yeah. Man, that might burn the house down, though. That you know, those garbage fires are dangerous. No, he's throwing me in the garbage, so at least it'll be I'd be on fire in the garbage. Well, right, but I mean, depending on the type of garbage can you have, like that. You oh, know, that's you true. Might... If he's thinking of the meme or the GIF, it's definitely an outside garbage can. Oh, that's true. That's true. And then probably okay, right? We'll put the lid on if we need to. We're good to go. Yeah, as long as there's no fires in the house. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was that was a challenging weekend, but uh, you know, they just have a lot of energy and and they don't have a way to displace it, so. Sometimes yeah. it comes out that way. <laughs> okay, so here would be my question for you, Josh. Did you, was all of Hamilton watched? Uh, he watched until intermission. Oh, okay. Uh, and then it was bedtime. And gotcha. Because he stopped paying attention. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if the um, you got to the adultery part. And then if he was going to understand. Well, he won't. He wouldn't understand that. I do know that. He still doesn't pick up on a lot of things. Um it only came up because my parents were going to uh, play mm-hmm. and he asked, what is a play? And I said, well, let me show you. And then of course my, my lovely wife 
corrected me by letting me know this was a musical, not a play. And I was like, well, sometimes plays and musicals are the same. So we showed him. I was like, what can I show him? I was like, oh, I think there is a lot. Like, it's all adult um, topics in Hamilton. But he's going to be more focused on the singing and the dancing and the stage show, which is true. Like, he doesn't really pick up on anything like that yet. So. Yep. yep, all musicals are plays, but not all plays are musicals. Right. Though, Is that right? I mean, though some musicals are, I mean, calling them as a play is generous because they're more like musical reviews. So like that sure. sort of gets a little gray, you know, like Smoke Joe's like Cafe that. and all, like that. I'm going to say it out loud so that it is heard. All musicals are plays, but not all plays are musicals. Yes. Thank you. You proved my point. <laughs> Makes me feel good. So at least that's and how I would quantify it. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong, flipped but. off right now. <laughs> <laughs> so gotcha. Uh, hey, oh man, I haven't watched Hamilton in a while. I might need to watch that again. So yes, I was. <laughs> I had a moment. I was crying so much again. And the end of the the end of the musical where she screams out of Isn't nowhere. It's more of like a gasp. Yeah, I had this reaction where my body wanted to like openly weep like loudly, but my body fought against it. So she's laughing now because I just like, it sounded like, I don't know, I had a stroke or something. I just like half screamed uh, crying and I was like, I just started laughing. I was like, I don't know why I did that. (laughs) It caught me by surprise. I sometimes get into that situation too. And then my partner looks at me and she's like, you could just cry. Like who? nobody else is here. <laughs> like, I know you. you cry at everything, you big baby. Like, go ahead and cry. I'm like, maybe I don't want to cry because you just called me a big baby. I'm yeah, just saying. And my, like, and my wife makes fun of me too for crying in, in movies. So I feel you. Uh, so I was like, maybe that's why I'm trying to She's like my this. dad. Don't, boys, don't cry. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> How about so, you? How was your weekend? I, I, so it was pretty good. We have, uh, you know, it's gotten reasonably nice. Uh, still a little chilly. And, like, we actually had snow for from Friday night into Saturday. But it was, like, melted Whoa. by Saturday at, like, 2, you know. Yeah. So, but it was, like, enough that it was, like, staying on the driveway and on the, on the wow. lawn and things like that. But then it was gone within a few hours because it got warm enough. So we've had a, a few big swings in weather. But we are kind of into project mode. Uh, so we are building some um, some planters um, for some vegetables and things like that in our backyard. So uh, got those going, got those probably, I don't know, we started them and got them three quarters of the way finished this weekend. Uh, so that was kind of like the big project is getting those um, planter boxes done. And they're pretty big. Uh, where we thought they were going to go, they might be a little too big for So we might need to rearrange some things as far as that goes. But, you know, get our little own vegetable garden rolling. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, I think we've talked, I don't know, I think I've talked, told listeners, I don't remember anything these days, but um, also <laughs> we're going to Disney World at, in um, yeah. September and October, yeah, and uh, man, my partner is so stoked about this. And like, that Guardians ride is opening. It is, it's opening in May, which is pretty exciting. So I'm that's very excited be for you because I really want to ride that. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, so we've been doing like things, getting ready for that, and you know, she, <laughs> it's funny because like she uh 
is like, oh, we're gonna like order this thing. So she's like keeps ordering all these things to like try out for like our trip. Like, oh, this little portable fan, will this work for us if it's warm out while we're standing in line? I'm like, oh my gosh. So we have like all these like little things she I'm like, are we gonna like roof for our clothes? Like, don't we need to pack clothes in our suitcases? Like, how is this gonna go? But uh so yeah, so it's fun. She's really excited about it. I'm excited about it too, but she's definitely just more like outwardly excited as far as that goes. Yeah. So it is a little bit, you know, obviously when you're going to something in September, October, like who knows what the state of the world is going to be at that point. Right. Uh, so we'll see. But hopefully, you know, things will continue to improve as far as that goes. Because um, things at yeah. least where I am right now are pretty good um, with COVID and everything else. But hopefully that continues. Uh, but otherwise, things are good. You know, uh, work is super, super busy. So when we get to our playlist, it's going to be, for me at least, very sad because I basically played nothing this entire week. because I've just hey, been Me working. too. But... Uh, yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm uh, excited for for spring to be here and for temperatures to start warming up and you know summer's right around the corner, so it's 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 exciting on the horizon. Uh, Josh, no so pun intended. Of, what's that? No pun intended. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Josh, for our pregame this week, this actually like was something I wanted to talk about anyway, but then we sort of been talking about it in our Discord a little bit too, but I'm going to keep it on the topic, not on the broader <laughs> topic, unless you really yeah. want to get, go down that route. Um, favorite stand-up comedian, Josh. Uh, yeah. I've been watching a lot of, you know, I'm someone who used to watch a ton of stand-up comedy. Uh, for the last six months or so, I haven't watched too much, but I've really gotten back into it again. I've been watching a ton of stand-up again. Uh, so I was just curious, Josh, like, favorite stand-up comedian or two or three, like, you know, what is it sure. specifically that you look for that or that you find appealing when it comes to stand-up comedians? Hmm. Like, you know, kind of what is your, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, who do you enjoy listening to? Well, my favorite stand-up comedian just won a Grammy. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm oh, wow. You're really <laughs> going down this road, are we? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh boy. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I grew up like listening to stand up. I mean, uh, uh, joking aside, like Bill Cosby's um, himself record was on regular play at my house when I grew up. Um, so I, I really like that album a lot. I mean, obviously, time has says times have changed. We don't need, really need to get into that conversation of like separating the art from the artist kind of stuff. Um, but uh, you know. One of my favorite stand-ups is like a quasi-canceled comedian, and that's Aziz Ansari. Um, uh, It's not quite to the degree of everything else that's going on, and I'm not here to debate any of that. I'll happily debate it in Discord because that's where everyone goes to be angry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I don't know what I look for anymore. Um, When I was really into comedy, I still am, but... Um, like people like Stephen Lynch. I don't know if you know who that is. Oh He's yeah, like a I love, musical I comedian. Loved Stephen Lynch so much. Yeah, gosh, I really he was liked, so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, and I and I really liked his stuff. And I came in late. Like he would always make jokes about the bowling song. I didn't even know what the bowling song was. Um. Uh. So even they, even there was a time in my life. I it's like saying you like Nickelback. Like when I liked Dane Cook. Um, oh yeah. And that was a big part of my life when I liked comedians, just like something I regularly just, I'd be watching like Jeff Dunham and Dane Cook. And like, it just, at that time, that's what standup comedy was for a 20 something year old percent, or a white 20 something year old, I should say. Um, I think now when I think of standup comedy, I look for something different 
and like Jimmy Carr. Mm, I really yeah. enjoy because he's his comedy. Like my wife hates his laugh, but I get that. That's part of his <laughs> part of thing. His thing. Um, but he's like the one liner, right? He's the one line yep. comedian who also insults the audience and they're yeah. on board, which is important. Yeah. Because it's so, not fun to watch someone just roast the audience for no reason. That's true. Which actually, inter- interestingly enough, not to go back too far, but um, I saw Bill Cosby perform one time and that's like all he did during his like entire oh, really? show basically was just make fun of the audience. Um, but <laughs> uh, I actually recently listened to an in- interview with Jimmy Carr. He's actually doing a like he is planning a like more i don't want to say traditional but a show that has like six to 12 minute jokes rather than like three joke one-liners like going 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 he's actually like trying to put together like a more quote-unquote traditional stand-up set uh, for his next special so that i would be very interested to see how that goes for him that's cool um i'm really bummed actually tomorrow night uh, another stand-up comic i really like um daniel van kirk is actually in my city and he's less than five miles from my house, and I can't go. Mm. And he's probably never going to be back. And I'm really bummed about it. But um, he became like famous by doing like a Mark Wahlberg impression on Doug Love's movies. Yeah. But now he does a podcast with Rory Scoville, who I also think is very funny, called Pen Pals. Um, I like Hannah Gatsby. I know we've talked about that before as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I had. Oh, and Bo Burnham. Like, I just, I really like musical comedians mm-hmm. uh, because it, it's a show as well. Like, I think about, I, there's not a time, there's not a, a long period of time between me thinking of Zach Galifianakis live at the Purple Onion. And if you haven't seen that special, you should see it because he's playing piano and he's, and he's drinking beers from the start of the show to the end. And you can clearly, <laughs> uh, but he never misses. Even when you can tell he's had a few too many beers, like he doesn't miss. Right. And he doesn't even, he says he's like, he barely even knows how to play piano, but he does it better than I probably ever could. Um, so I think like a, a, a stand-up comedian who can also integrate another form of art really impresses me improv really impresses me so middle ditch and in shorts so half yeah. of a canceled comedian set on netflix is something i i continuously go back to in fact i'm so bombed that it, that thomas middle ditch turned out to be a scumbag and we won't get that show anymore but and now ben shorts is coming to boston or to oh. medford which is very close to me also with, with uh schwartz and friends I might still try to go to that show. We'll see if I can make it out there. But um, yeah, those are, I mean, Ben Schwartz is like on top of the world right now, but yeah, probably a tough ticket to get, but I really enjoy his improv as well. So uh, those are some of my favorites. How about you? You know, I, when it comes to comedians, I used to, I kind of have gone through the same, probably not surprising, like progression as far as what i liked in comedy right when i was younger i definitely yeah i i love stephen lynch i and i say this not to try it sound like a hipster but i love old daniel tosh not yes you know like i i just don't think his new stuff is as good as his old stuff is but his old stuff i thought was really good um but that sort of really irreverent um not afraid to push limits or be in sometimes just like very disgusting like i really thought that was great i actually oddly enough was not a huge dane cook fan yeah, I don't know. It just I, I should have been probably, but it just really didn't sit with me. 
Um, but as I've gotten older, like I really, really appreciate the ability for a comic to like tell a story through their entire set. Yeah. And I think for me, the one who does it best is Mike Birbiglia. Like oh, he yeah. really starts somewhere and like ends like his whole show is just one story, but like the paths that he goes down and they tie back and it's just, it seems obviously it's a ton of work, but it just seems so effortless. He just starts telling the story and then here's this little anecdote and that anecdote goes off to this other thing. And then here's this other one thing, but then that loops back to where he had been previously in the story. And then he continues on and here's a new anecdote and just his ability to kind of wrap all of those things and have them be like very, true to like his life and what's going on there and really be able to talk about it that way i think is just amazing is the way he can do that and it's not a show like it's not a laugh a minute right like you are not just busting a gut the whole time you're watching him because he's really kind of putting these thoughts together and putting these these words together in a very careful way that you feel a range of emotion like while you're watching his show and you're sometimes sad and sometimes happy and sometimes you're laughing and sometimes you want to cry and like all of that in a show, I think it is really, really um, shows the power of what comedy can do and kind of the best people to do it. So he's definitely probably my favorite right now. Uh, but I also really like Jimmy Carr because I do think just that, like you had mentioned, that old fashioned just literally writes like one line jokes, you know, that most yeah. people are going to tell. I think is pretty great. Um, I forgot Nate yeah. Bargatze, but he's, I love Nate Bargatze as well. Yeah, he was, he was the next one I was going to mention. I, I do think he's pretty great. Um, I, this may come as, um, I don't know. I, the hard part is that there are some people who I think have really great moments or I just don't know enough of their work. Um, but like, um, I, Bo Burnham, who's somebody who most people really like in general, I'm not a huge fan of Bo Burnham. I think inside is really, really great. Um, but in, in general, like, I'm not like a huge fan of a lot of the work that he does. Um, you know, I, I, I have this hard, like, I think John Mulaney's really funny. But yeah. I think things with him have been really weird as of late. Like, I. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's struggling and he's in the limelight. So, yeah, know, it is weird to see, like, you have like conflicting feelings about the person as a person and the person as right. a comedian. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. So, yeah. So I think he's really good. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously when you know talking about people who seem to be just kind of really at the top of their game right now when it comes to comedy i mean i think hannah gadsby is just like crushing yeah, she's, it right so, she's so good yeah and she has a new i know she's out on a new show right now as well um so and i'm really excited to see um i know he's touring on it right now and it's going to come to netflix soon um hassan minaj's new show um which i'm excited to buy but like I don't know. I just think there's something really, you know, oh, and actually, actually, like, you know, and that's what's so hard is because there's so many people who are actually just so good. Like Jim Jeffries, I really like. Um, yeah, Anthony Jeselnik, like, I really like. Um, so there's a lot of, like, difference in there. But I think the the shows I definitely am grab, I gravitate to are those who can tell really good stories. Um, and because it that's what it, you know, kind of is. It's, you're, it's yeah. sitting down to hear a story from someone. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, oh, I love stand-up comedy so much. It's so good. So, all right. Well, with that, Josh, we kind of get on with the show proper. Yeah, why not? Awesome. So listeners, if you have favorite stand-up comedians or if there's a favorite, uh, comedy specials you think we should check out, let us know. Um, we're always open to check those things out. So, uh, but with that, thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at board with VG on Twitter or check out all the stuff over on the Instagram. Also board with VG. 
We are proud to be part of the PSVG Podcast Network, and we encourage you to check out all of the shows on the network, like the PSVG Podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP, and Dollar Cinema, and anything else we decide to put on a podcast feed near you. We are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast archive, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there is a podcast on the network that's right for you, I think. The Dice Tower Awards get announced this week, if I recall oh, correctly. Nice. They're all their winners for their 2021 Games of the Year and all that good stuff, I believe, are coming out later this week. So, uh, But with that, Josh, I think we both kind of already alluded to it, uh, but uh, what you been playing lately, sir? <laughs> okay, yeah, not much. Um, I actually spend a lot of time watching TV, and I know this is like the struggle, right? I don't have a lot of free time, so it's like TV or games, and I just uh, actually felt guilty about not playing Horizon as much in the past week than I wanted to. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, I installed and booted up Apex Legends because they put out, they pushed out the next gen patch. Um, I only played one round. It was a control game because it ends, mm-hmm. I think, relatively soon. So I wanted to try it. It's essentially zones or control point or what, depending on what game you play. You have locations A, B, and C, and you're trying to maintain control of those areas uh, i think that it doesn't work for apex um oh okay because you're still on a team of three and so it's three teams of three it just feels like disjointed and messy and everyone seemed to just focus on one point at the same time uh and i, I just don't think it works with the abilities of the characters from apex uh, it's a bit messy you have to pick a class so you don't you know you only start with two guns you're not trying to find loot crates with extra guns. Something You're just picking up guns that people drop if you want to try something different. Um, unless like you have like Loba who can some like bring down the black market mm-hmm. um, and get guns. So um, it was fine, but I just didn't enjoy it. Like it's not the Apex I want. The Apex I want is the traditional Apex Legends gameplay. So uh, just wasn't for me but I still plan on going back and playing some more regular Apex, um, some ranked and public matches. Uh, but it felt really good, you know. Um, you know, playing it at 60 is nice, so it felt good, felt solid. Um, I wouldn't say it, it, it. I wouldn't say it was like incredibly noticeable, but it was subtle. But you know, I have it back installed, so I'll definitely play it some more. Right. Uh, especially in between games and stuff. And then yeah, I played Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, more, I'm still having a lot of fun. You know, we, you talked about it last week, how you were considering like mainlining it. And I was thinking about that too. And then I spent an hour playing strike, uh, (laughs) cause I needed to complete all three boards against this person I was playing against. But, um, I, I thought back to the, um, horizon zero dawn and I remembered that the last mission, um, depends on how many people you helped inside missions that would appear to help you in the final challenge. And I didn't want to miss out on that in this one. I would hate to get, I don't know what the end is like, but I would hate to get to the end and realize like, because I didn't do all the side quests that now I'm missing like a a large group of helpers or whatever. And it it seems to be going that way. Um, And I guess minor spoilers for horizon because the, Characters do have their own little personal side quests 
and I just got to the one where you're going to basically um, give someone a new arm. Yeah. You can say that without spoilers, right? Sure. It's kind of light spoilers. So I'm like, you know, if I just went mainland the game, like then I wouldn't have been able to do this. And I feel like that maybe, I don't know, I haven't completed it yet, but maybe it's going to open up a whole new portion of the game or open up a whole new storyline. And I would hate to miss that. So I'm still chugging away at all these side quests. In fact, I look at side quests and errands before I look at main quests. And I'm still, I am skipping things like hunting grounds, which I kind of did in the first one. Um, And uh, I'm still enjoying the heck out of it. And I got back to Vegas and talked to those guys I really liked talking to and doing some more side quests out there, uh, which is going to send me back underwater again. Um, There's some cool parts where that giant um, plesiosaur thing came out of nowhere well, it came out of the ocean, not came out of nowhere. It came out of the ocean this time. Right, yeah, yeah. Instead of, uh, uh, and that was challenging and fun, and and these bears or something else, man, like these flame bears are like really making my life miserable. <laughs> but it's a lot of, it's just, it's challenging and fun, and, and I'm still really enjoying every moment I play with it. So, and that's it. I mean, it was one game of Apex Legends and two sittings with Horizon, and that's really all I played all week, um, unfortunately, or whatever, you know, just life being how life is. How yeah. about you? What have you been playing? Uh, really, Horizon, and that's it. Uh, I honestly only played games. I sat down and played games. Oh, I've been playing Kirby as well, um, mm-hmm. but I think I only sat down and played games twice since the last time I recorded um work like i literally have worked like every night um after working all day um uh, basically and then like this weekend was all like doing stuff around home um have you met alva yet yes yeah okay. i have met alva uh, i really like her <laughs> i don't know it's yeah. about her i just I, she's just very i'm very taken with her i think she's a very cool character um so yeah that's all i just really like her i am but i will say i am to the point whereas i believe i am my next main quest is the final quest. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. So, so that's how far I am. And I haven't really main. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to mainline. I really haven't. Um, there is like, I'm trying to decide. I have like one other side quest and like one other uh, errand to go do. And I'm trying to decide if I'm going to go do those before I do this final quest. I think it'll all depend on how I'm feeling when I sit down. But uh, yeah. so hopefully next week, listeners, I'll have a different game to talk about. Nice. Uh, but I think I'm sitting at 65 hours right now um, with where I'm sitting. Wow, so. nice, nice. So, I mean, it's no, you know, 120 or something like that, that people are having for other games. Yeah. Oh, and just to, <laughs> I'm going to, I appreciate that you shared this, but I'm going to call this out a little bit, Josh. Uh, we sometimes get talked to, we get accused of being a little um, hipster when we talk about like Elden Ring and things like that. <laughs> yes. Rightfully so. Like we kind of are. Like, you yeah, know, we, we get we, accused we, by my closest friends. <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of are, right? Like, and yes. I just want to say that is not the intent. Like we're not trying to be hipster about it. It's yeah. just something we don't understand. So we probably come off trying I want to play like, it so bad. We've had it since it came out. I just have, I, I, I don't want to put time into Horizon. <laughs> right. So, um, and then probably I'll play Tiny Tina. Tiny and Tina. Then I'll, yeah. And then I'll play Elden Ring. Um, if I don't go back to, you know, 
All right, so let's play Gran Turismo. Or at least try Gran Turismo. You don't really and have then, to. <laughs> no, I'm going to. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Because if not, I got to free up the space on my hard drive. Uh, and then apparently this new Lego Star Wars game is all the, all the business. It seems like but it. But I huh? really want to play. I really want to play it. But I have a really hard time paying full price for Lego games. And maybe this one isn't doesn't have the issues. Not that I don't think that we shouldn't pay full price for games sometimes. But yeah. like every Lego game I've played has been so buggy. Yep. That is really hard for me to justify paying full price. And I haven't read any of the reviews, so I don't know if that's true for this game or if they polished it to a level that that's not a big deal. But it's always been the hard part of like, I, I'm never going to get the platinum in Lego Harry Potter 2, 1 or 2, 1 of the 2, because there's a bug that just won't let me like collect this thing I need to collect to get the platinum. And it's just frustrating when you put that many hours into a game and you're like, the thing is right there. Right. And it just never lets me pick it up. <laughs> it's very frustrating. But anyway. All right, so that's what we've been playing. Uh, hopefully more next week. <laughs> Very limited amount. Um, hey, but Josh, this gives us plenty of time then for our topics of the show. So what is your <laughs> first topic this week, Josh? Okay, well, um, I think I I am, I am tend to say there's not a lot of horror-themed board games, and I think that that is just wrong because <laughs> I think there's a lot. Yeah, um, I think there is. <laughs> just maybe not it accessible to me or that i don't find accessible but we have a new spooky game coming to kickstarter soon this is from dicebreaker reporting reported from dicebreaker uh lucky duck games publisher of chronicles of crime and other games like um that mutant game that i almost backed and then that other game i almost backed uh reveals there's another game i probably will almost back i love that so much josh lucky duck games the creators of multiple games i almost backed on kickstarter (laughs) and here's another one that i'll probably almost back on kickstarter um they're releasing uh, a horror board game uh called the dark quarter uh next uh, uh this month this month um so it's called the dark quarter it is uh hitting kickstarter the end of April, it uh, is a board game for wonderful players set in New Orleans in the 1980s. Um, in, in the game, players will be choosing from a selection of four different playable characters who are members of a secret organization called the Beaumont Agency, a group that is dedicated to dealing with crimes of a more sinister and supernatural uh, nature um, than they're technically used to. Uh, it starts in the year I was born, 1981. It's a co-op board game, uh, which it will see um, players investigating the mur- uh, murder that appears to be uh, abnormal or not ordinary, and they call on the Beaumont agency to to investigate. So as one of four players, you will work together to explore the city, which I think the map looks pretty interesting. Uh, it actually reminds me a little bit of the Lords of Waterdeep map, but yeah. more noari uh looking for clues and answers um yeah and i thought it was interesting that it is rated 16 plus for the age which i don't know that we see a lot of board games with ratings like that specific for ages like usually it's like players ages like you know one to 99 or whatever uh so it looks like it's going to be going for the more dark uh feeling uh it seems to be focusing on um some more of the creole culture so you'll be getting some new orleans history in there as well um and it is designed by uh, evan derrick who has created uh uh several hardboard games such as dark moon 
uh, and Final Girl, which is a game that I almost backed. <laughs> that looks really cool, um, which is also a solo game, which is really, I think, the big reason why I didn't back it. Um, but I think it looks pretty cool. Where do you fall on... Uh, do you have a want for horror board games in your life? Uh, are you more interested or less because they are a successful, like, like Chronicles of Crime is a very, very highly regarded board game series. So does that have any sway for you? Uh, where do you sit? Oh, also, Van Ryder Games is also publishing it with Lucky Deck Games. Yeah, this game looks really interesting to me. I don't know if my partner would want to play it, which is a tough part of it, though it is a one to four player game. Yeah. It still is really hard for me to just jump on a game and know I'm going to have to play it myself. The box looks very big. I don't know if that's just deceptive because of the picture, but it looks like a big box with lots of stuff. Um, and the Kickstarter comes April 12th, right? It's right around the corner. Oh, yeah, not April too long. 12th. Um, do you know what day the, what's it called? The Jurassic park legacy game you know when that ends oh when it ends i can tell you uh they actually finally just added some kickstarter bon- um backer bonuses because originally oh, did they? it didn't have it so I'm yeah, actually I, was say, I know it had impressed. nothing at the start yeah i'm actually pretty impressed with what they added uh it ends in six days so it ends on the 10th Ooh, shoot i have to decide before because i would like to have seen the price for this game uh, and try to make a decision. It looks pretty cool, though. It kind of looks like a cross between, oh, what was it? the one Fantasy Flight game that is in the Lovecraft world that has Arkham all the cards. Horror? Not Arkham Horror. Aldrich but Horror? It, not that one either. Uh, it's the one where you have cards. like the cards that make like the board, and you can go to new rooms, and they're like big tarot sized cards. Um. Really? Anyway, it's fine. It's fine that I can't remember it. But anyway, looking <laughs> at the map and looking at the cards and looking at kind of how the game plays, like that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah. Um, is that game and and I enjoy that game and I have a good time playing it. Uh, so I I will definitely take a look at this. Like you said, uh, the designer is definitely, um, you know, Detective City of Angels. People seem to really really like Dark Moon as a quality game. Final Girl as a solo game is probably one of those one of the most highly regarded like solo only games that are out there. Um, so yeah, I think that I am going to keep an eye on this because there aren't a ton of horror games that I have, and I would definitely like to expand that you know grouping of games uh, in in my collection. And this seems like a, a a definite possibility. What about you, Josh? I know you are a big horror person. Is this going to be another game you almost back or a game you do back? Do back. That's funny. That's a good Star Wars joke. Uh, uh, it is. <laughs> Uh, I'm interested in it. I like the horror aspect, but I don't know. Again, that's something that the interest level here would be harder. Uh, like I know that my group of people that play games would be interested, but we have so many games that we're trying all like trying to play that adding more games to that is not an easy task. But of course I got distracted by this game called age of Rome. That's on Kickstarter that I want to back now. (laughs) <laughs> so i would probably back this game before i'd back that game <laughs> so what a, tell me about age of rome josh since you're on it like let's just go down this let's follow this path to where it ends well uh, i haven't read too much about it i'm just really looking at the components in the gameplay it's called age of rome ad glorium um it's by t totem games they bragged that it was funded in 99 minutes i don't know if that's braggable most games funded in 
30 minutes. Uh, but, but under a hundred, under a hundred, Josh. The center of the board is a circle of territories. It does spin while you're playing it, and the art looks really cool. They have see-through tokens that go over locations, um, so you can still see the artwork on the board, which I think is pretty cool. Um, the player boards are like indented, and you have uh, character individual characters that you're playing as. Uh, there's military and politics and trade and religion and schemes. So there seems to be a lot of um, different concepts for the game. And the artwork uh, is just really blowing me away. Like the artwork looks really cool. Uh, it has like this lazy Susan design in the middle of the table, which I think is pretty cool. Like the board literally spins. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a victory track that goes around the outside of the board. <laughs> I mean, who isn't though, Josh? I, mean, I always like that isn't? stuff. <laughs> Uh, so, Josh, if you, you know, in looking at this game, if you were to pick your backer level, like where are you, you going to back this at? It's expensive. <laughs> I think I would have to do the Senator Pledge if I did it, which is not all in. It's just the base game and the uh, stretch goals. What's the difference between the other ones? The Emperor Pledge, all in. Yeah, it, it still says... Oh, uh, oh, maybe I would have to do all in because Senator pushes access to campaign add-ons. Oh. But the, uh, all in pledges all campaign add-ons. Uh, but that's Josh almost is... as much as the Jurassic Park game. I can't do both. Of I, I know. <laughs> uh, Josh, any worry that this is for both of the designers of this game? This is their first game. No, I'm over that with Kickstarter, really. Unless it's Golden Bell Studios sending this game out. I don't know that. that I'm super worried about it. And it might be Golden Bell Studios. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's Titotum Game Studios. This is yeah, their but, first game, though. So who knows? Maybe it's just yeah, Golden, Golden Bell, Bell wasn't making Unbroken. They were just shipping it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so, it's actually, okay, this studio is, uh, you're right, because this studio is just created by the designers of the game. Yeah. And, uh, and in this Greece. is yeah, this is the first game, at least listed in Board Game Geek, by this artist as well. And you're right. This art is great. So it's really good. Uh, dang it. Now I'm going to have to watch this one too. Ugh, yeah, okay. I'm going anyway. to have to put it on my watch list. <laughs> yep. Another game added to the remind me. There we go. 10 days to in, go. <laughs> in real time. Here we are. Uh, so Josh, uh, the game I was thinking of was Elder Sign. That was the game I was trying to oh, think of earlier. Elder Sign. Yep. 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 Um, but uh, anything else then, Josh, about uh, the Either point of those that games? we got here? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, there's always something interesting on Kickstarter or coming to Kickstarter, so uh, you can count on us to talk about it <laughs> at some point, most likely. <laughs> Whether it be on purpose or accidentally, or, uh, we will get there. <laughs> yeah. All right, Josh. So for my first topic this week, it's a two. It's a twofold topic because I add a little bit to it. And the title for this episode, Josh, is "Running Scared." Okay, so that's the name of this title, um, and it's very much geared towards this particular topic okay mm. i'm ready to lay down some hot takes now do i actually believe these hot takes i don't know but they're fun <laughs> so we'll see so josh first things first uh and this is coming from games radar the legend of zelda breath of the wild 2 delayed to 2023 the breath of the wild sequel is now at least a year away from uh, austin wood again over at games radar um nintendo has previously Nintendo was previously planning to release the long-awaited sequel this year, but Zelda producer Eiji Anuma 
announced in a newly published video that the company has decided to extend our development time a bit uh, and push the game to spring 2023. Anuma teased an even wider variety of features, including new encounters and new gameplay elements. It seems the game was delayed to give these features, some of which may be tied to the partially destroyed Master Sword shown in the background footage of today's announcement, more time to fully develop. In order to make this game's experience something special, the entire development is continuing to work diligently on this game, so please wait a while longer, Anuma concluded. Uh, as recently as last month, Nintendo appeared confident in bringing Breath of the Wild 2 to Switch later this year. With the Breath of the Wild sequel now targeting spring 2023, it could arrive as early as the final weeks of March 2023, or as late as the end of next June. We still don't have specifics to work with, but assuming it was originally planned for a holiday 2022 launch, this represents a four to six month delay. In any case, Breath of the Wild 2 is now at least a year away. So this is again from Games Radar, Austin Wood reporting. Uh, Josh, where were you when you heard of the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 delay? Uh, and what is your reaction slash feelings on it? Where was I? I don't know. Somewhere unimportant. Just the way I feel about the announcement as well. <laughs> unimportant. I mean, it is interesting. Uh, the one gimmick from Breath of the Wild was uh, was the one thing that would save them to having to explain what happened to the Master Sword in the sequel. <laughs> It's not durable. It's just like those sticks you pick up. <laughs> it breaks. It's not such a great master sword after all. Uh, I don't really have any hot takes on Zelda that is that isn't uh, hasn't become like cliche for me to talk about. Uh, okay. It's just uh, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that it was delayed. We didn't even get a title for the game before. Still don't have a title. Right. So I mean I don't think it's a surprise that that it was delayed. I don't think it's a big deal. They, they're not going to lose any sales because of a delay. Certainly. Um, so where do they have to lose? Give the developers more time. Honestly, just removing breath of the wild from the equation, more developers should be giving their studios more time so we can avoid these awful stories that keep coming out about crunch and toxic work culture. Cause it's keeps happening. And I, and you know, I was hesitant. I didn't like, usually I try to do a story, a board game story and a video game story. And it was like slow news week for video games, except for this one story about a terrible work culture at this place. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? We've talked about it. It doesn't seem to be changing. So, you know what? Maybe more video game studios should be like Nintendo and give their teams more time to work on the games they're working on. Okay. Now, hopefully just this extra time doesn't mean just, you know, longer crunch. It could mean longer crunch. That's <laughs> totally possible. <laughs> yeah, there's my pessimistic view on it. All right, Josh, you ready for hot take number one? I mean, I look uh, for hot takes. That, and, from, and then you can, you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear your feedback on it. And no, okay. I'll be, let me be clear. I'm being mostly completely ridiculous with these, but I think it's fun. Oh, okay, and I will be serious <laughs> in my response. <laughs> Nintendo is only delaying this game. Because they know it's not better than Elden Ring, and they can't stand to release it and not win Ugh. Game of the Year pretty unanimously. So they're like, we're just not going to deal with it. We're delaying it. Uh, <laughs> you know what? The one game that could beat Elden Ring for Game of the Year would probably be Breath of the Wild 2 because of blind fanboyism. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. They know it's not better than it. They're like, nope, there's no way it's going to win. So rather than even compete, we're just going to run. We're just going to push this game so it doesn't have to lose 
and has a better chance of anything releasing next year than it does against beating Elden Ring this year. I think my favorite thing I saw on the internet about it was like they're gonna they're delaying it to put it up against Horizon Three to overshadow <laughs> so into like twenty twenty eight over overshadow Horizon again. That's my real distaste for Breath of the Wild is it really just made everything about Horizon versus Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Josh, you're so you really- angry. <laughs> so you're saying no chance that's why they delayed it. No, I don't think they have the foresight for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my pick. That's my that's my hot take. That's why they delayed it. They knew it wasn't going to win. Um, second potential hot take, Josh. And this really isn't more of a hot take, but this is like more of a pot- potential. They delayed it. Because they want it to be a cross-gen piece of software, just like Breath of the Wild was. And we are getting a new Switch. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be on both consoles, and it's going to run terrible on the Switch. <laughs> do you think that's truly like a yeah, chance of why I they did it? I really do think that they don't have the hardware to support the game they made. I mean, Nintendo you can do some pretty sell, amazing things. You can't sell this as a cloud version. You can't. Look at look at the Nintendo fan base. They hate cloud ge- versions of these games. Can you imagine they released Breath of the Wild 2 and it's cloud only? Yeah, I mean, Breath of the Wild, like, I mean, Nintendo is able to do some pretty amazing things on very limited hardware. I agree. And I, I and I I think that the Switch is gets ganged up on a little bit because of uh I guess we would say like old gen tech or whatever you want to say, because it's not on the same level as PS5s or Xbox Series X. And it was same with the Wii U, right? But you're getting you're getting tailored experiences with these games for these consoles that they do a very good job with. And that's the sacrifice that you have to make sometimes for like fidelity versus interactivity. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely think Breath of the Wild 2, from what we've seen graphically, I think it looks uh, like a game of switch can't handle. <laughs> and I, I genuinely mean that. I know it comes across as like a little bit of a burn, but I really do think that like they, they do a good job at making a system. They're new. They make a, I should say this. They do a good job at creating games around their new systems to showcase mm-hmm. the new system. And we're at year five for the switch. Yep. Five and a half. Uh, and I think Nintendo's shelf life on systems is half of a regular <laughs> console shelf life um, because they put out a upgraded version of their console. Yeah. And then this time they did an interesting thing where they did half of a half. So they put out the OLED in half of a generation of a Nintendo right. console. I don't think it's crazy to expect the Switch Pro or Switch 2 for next year. Um do I think that we need one? No, but I don't think it's crazy to expect that. You don't think we uh, need? Oh, so you just talked about how the switch, it's not going to be able to run on Switch, but then you also said we do, you don't think we need a new version of the Switch. Well, I think that they should be making games in their own lane. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't okay. you don't don't try to make Breath of the Wild two something it doesn't have to be. You can use the same graphics for Breath of the Wild. The people who are there for Zelda are there for the story and the gameplay. There's story in Breath of the Wild? I'm, I'm so, <laughs> I mean, not that I I'm found. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think, yeah, the story is you have to spend hours looking for Korok seeds that are literally hidden in plain sight. Josh, you people walk, hate us. Right? Yeah, people hate us. <laughs> but they're not listening anymore. 
The only people that are still listening are the people who don't like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so, so our podcast number download numbers are what they are. We know exactly the size of that audience. Well, luckily um, we don't look at our download numbers, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so final hot take related to Breath of the Wild, Josh. Um, and this is just that I think it'd be really funny. Okay. Uh, so there, the rumor, have you heard the recent, most recent name rumor for the game? Oh, like a title? No, no. Yeah. Breath of Duality is kind of like the the, the name that's singing around there. So Josh, <laughs> here's what my, I hope, I hope it is. And that when they release the trailer with the name, it starts off like pure black yeah. And then the Slipknot song Duality starts. <laughs> I don't think that's going to And then it, it slowly raises up and it's just like um, Link like holding his head and like kind of like rubbing his eyes as like, you know, he says like the whole I push my fingers into my eyes thing. He's just like rubbing them. And then like it comes uh, that I think would be amazing. Like I think we should totally have a Slipknot crossover with Breath of Duality if that's the name. Yeah. I think it'd be great. I think it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, totally. I when I think Nintendo, I think Slipknot. Total. I, I agree. Obvious I agree. collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> so, I but think if it's the name probably is... more like Creed. <laughs> uh, so, Breath of Duality, though, you're saying not a fan of the name. If that is the name, no, that's a horrible title. But that could be the name still. <laughs> yeah, that could be. I don't. I like mean, it. I don't... terrible title. Breath of the Wild. Breath of Duality. Breath of know. Duality. Breath of Duality doesn't work as a title. You can still use Duality but figure out a better name. So what would Josh, if you were going to give the game a name, even though you know Ugh. nothing about it, it would be breath of what? Uh, does it have to be breath of? Well, I'm assuming this is a breath of the wild sequel. I, my assumption is they would keep the breath of the thing going, you know, just like horizons. You're done horizon forbidden West breath of so breath of the wild two. That's probably or the tales of series would be maybe a better option. Yeah. As breath far of as the wild comparison. two would be good. Breath of the wild two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Josh. Marketing team, any any marketing teams out there, Josh is available. He can help you market your games. Yeah, I mean, if you have me work at Nintendo, I'm just going to name the game what the game is. You don't have to be creative <laughs> at Nintendo to sell games. Wow, wow. <laughs> I meant titling. Oh, I meant titling them. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Okay, so that's one game. So Breath of the Wild 2 delayed to 2023, uh, which, you know, with the way 22 has been going, though, it has been a great year for games so far. We yeah. anticipate this fall is looking great. Um, it is nice to have... At least one game that's, you know, theoretically going to be an absolute great game, you know, already slated for 2023. Uh, we'll see if, you know, God of War 10 slips. Out of 10. 10 out of 10 before it's even released. No question. That Nintendo bump gets 10 points. <laughs> You're saying it's a 0 out of 10 or like a 90 out of 10? I'm saying it doesn't even matter what it is. Oh, it's gotcha. a 10 out of 10. Ah, oh, Josh, man. We're so... <laughs> you can't cap. You, get, you cap at 10. The 10 point swing gets you to 10 every time. Gotcha. okay josh so uh if you listeners if you want to send us <laughs> if you have mail. an opinion about our opinion keep it to yourself <laughs> i told you we're gonna have to have no no, that, no like, don't don't conversation don't about our the criticism of criticism the criticism of criticism yeah if you have a problem with our take at forest minish at psvg on twitter <laughs> <laughs> no don't do that don't do at, that at bland explosion get get at the nintendo shag please oh man okay well moving on from that <laughs> Nintendo's not the only one who's scared. It seems like E3 is scared, too, as it was officially announced 
that E3 2022 has been canceled. Uh, we yeah. do know, obviously, the in-person event was canceled earlier, uh, and there were rumors that, you know, was there going to be a, an online event? Was it not going to happen? And then the ESA wasn't being really forthcoming about that. Um, and now we have found out that E3 2022 is canceled completely. Yeah. Um, no online event, no in-person event. Um, but supposedly coming back in 2023 in person. Yeah, their their excuse is pretty funny. (laughs) What was your excuse, Josh? To focus on E3 2023. Like you had a whole two years to focus on E3 2022. Right. And they need another horrible excuse. And then like Jeff Keighley with some like X, like grade A trolling of E3 like immediately. Which I will say, Josh, that is exactly who E3 is running scared from. It's Jeff Keighley, mm. who's taken over as kind of like the the ambassador of all games, right? He's yeah. the one who is doing the Game Awards to have game releases at. He's doing the Summer Game Fest again this year to have games at. Um, opening Night Live, you know, as at the end of that for like what used to be Gamescom. Like Jeff Keighley is like going for it, right? He's going after him. He's not yeah. holding back. As you said, he is subtweeting and like making jokes left and right at, at the expense of e3 josh so uh knowing that e3 is gone because they're scared of jeff Keeley, that's yeah. my hot take uh a josh what is your excitement level for summer game fest and what does it need to do for you to be like you know what we don't need e3 anymore that summer yeah. game fest and what Keeley's doing is enough what do you need to see um to like say you know what i don't even care about e3 2023 but also E3 2023 coming in person. Do you care? What are your thoughts? E3 is inaccessible to me, like to go to, right? Um, regionally, just like location wise. So if, if it was PAX, like and knowing I could drive out to Boston next weekend and probably find a day where I could go, um, I would probably be more bummed if PAX shut down, which they had to have shut down in Australia and San Antonio. Um, but there's no face to E3, you know, like PAX, they have face, they have faces. It's a penny arcade guys. Summer Games Fest or Game Awards, it has a face. It's Jeff Keighley. You can see the passion. If I asked you who's running E3, would you know? Because I I wouldn't know. I don't the know. The ESA. They have. Right. But it's like, sure. Like the people who make you have to rate games. Great. The, I love you guys. The people who leak <laughs> attendees information. Yeah, like they don't, I don't know if they're passionate about it. They don't have a face. I know Jeff Keighley. I don't know him, but I see him. I know he's passionate. He's very vocal about how passionate he is. And he does a lot of work. And he is personally involved in anything that that he does. So I like that. Like you don't have to even like Jeff Keighley as a personality, which I know a lot of people don't. But I think what he does shows a lot of passion in games now, do we wish that the game awards maybe weren't titled game awards because there's very few game awards? Sure, maybe call it a game showcase or something. So this is like <laughs> his time to shine, right? This is the game showcase. This is him picking up the torch that E3 dropped five years ago, arguably, and running with it. Um, because uh, E3, in my opinion, has only been successful because of people like Microsoft and Sony, not because of what E3 is doing. Right. They just got to fly the banner underneath what Microsoft was doing. So now we see it. Um, and like Jeff's out there tweeting and something that I saw someone mention was like, please tell us like, we can't deal with this six weeks of like every other day dropped 
trailers and information and he tweeted right back and he's like, Hey, we're going to do it all in June. Everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, perfect. That's what we need. Truncate it. So we all know when we can watch it. We're not searching for information, make it accessible to everybody and don't spread it out because we already have state of plays, Nintendo directs. Um, and now whatever happened to the Microsoft stuff, I don't know, but, um, uh, we have these things accessible to us outside of E3. So get it all in one area. Don't spread it out. It sounds like that's what they're doing this year. Um, so I'm happy to see that. And does E3 need to come back? I don't think so. It's not a trade show anymore. Uh, we've gone back and forth between E3 closing itself to the public and keeping it open. I really do think if E3 wants to come back, I think you should close it to the public again. Make it more oh. about game journals. Make it somewhere where you're giving like a CES. So people go and then you follow them to see what they reported on. Cause we have packs. We have uh, these events where people can go and play games. Does E3 need to be another one of those? I, I don't know that it does. Let it be the place for announcements. So it, it sounds like now kind of like you alluded to that, you know, summer games is just June, right? Like that is what's happening. Is this all yeah. going to be in June? Is kind of what he's saying. Are there like, if Microsoft does their own show and Nintendo does their own show and PlayStation does their own show and all of these are, you know, sometime in the month of June and they're they're lo- loosely like affiliated as like a summer game fest thing. And maybe we get, you know, there's that rumored huge Ubisoft show that's coming up that's going to have like 20 games at it. Yeah. And, you know, and then we have a, you know, indie showcase or two like and that's just kind of all spread out, you know, throughout you know the month of June. Like, is that good enough for you? Are you like, yep, that seems great got what i've needed we had all these live shows like i'm satiated and i have been satisfied by the summer game fest thing is that is that good enough yeah i don't know if i don't know if i'm changing how i get content now where i used to like really look forward to e3 and i think i i still do but i we we're just getting so we're getting enough we're getting a constant drip right of right game trailers and information that um, it doesn't even really matter to me because the information is going to come out one way or the other. And I'm just, for me personally, I'm already looking, I'm already following all these companies that are releasing information socially. So it right. gets to me one way or the other. So if tomorrow a trailer for a new game drops, I'm likely to have it pop up on my YouTube feed or Twitter. So it's not like, it's not as important to me as it used to be like five to 10 years ago. But I still enjoy, you know, I still like being able to sit down for two hours and just because I could go to the movies. I know people get mad when there's like 20 minutes of trailers before a movie. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I do. I could sit down and watch a two hour feed of new movie trailers. I could sit down and watch two hour feed of new game trailers. That's just like it's like opening boxes on Christmas. You don't know Mm -hmm. what's inside uh, and then you get to experience it. So. I just enjoy that kind of stuff in general. So yeah, yeah, you know what? Give me a presentation like that. But um, if it went away, I don't know that I would miss it too much if I'm being honest. For sure. Do you you think it'd be helpful? Because obviously, you know, with with the Game Awards, one thing that Keeley does is he brings the announcements from kind of everywhere and puts them into like one, you know, melting pot of things. Do you think, you know, Summer Game Fest, he's talking about how he wants to have like a, you know, kickoff type show or or a a marquee like keynote kind of show to kind of start things off yeah would you prefer to have 
all of those like little disparate things like kind of put together in one show. You have a little bit of Xbox here, a little bit of Nintendo, a little bit of Ubisoft, a little bit of 2K, you know, a dash of PlayStation, and then like, hey, here's the show. Do you prefer that or do you prefer Xbox being like, here's our stuff for 90 minutes? Like, which one would you rather see? I like uh like I like the show aspect. Like I like the game awards. I know I'm like mm-hmm. in the minority. <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind that it's long. Um, I think the bigger challenge is like finding time to like for me, I don't like to miss what happened and then just see trailers dropped on YouTube after because I like the surprise. Yeah. Of like seeing it at the same time as everybody else for that reaction. So like the bigger challenge is make making it at a time where everyone can watch. And a big part of like summer games fest is like happening in the middle of the day. Yeah. And I'm working, you know? So like, it's hard to, to be attentive to stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I like, I just like that. I like that appeal of, okay. I know for two months that at 7 PM, this is happening and it's going to go till 10. So I clear my schedule if I can Mm -hmm. and I sit down and I enjoy like watching the show. I, I like that, that experience. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you think having, cause you know, they've gone back and forth and companies have done this different ways of, do you think there's something to be said for, excuse me, the fan reaction that happens during those conferences, especially when you got to like, when PlayStation was doing the PlayStation experience, when Xbox does like their fan fests, like, yeah they're showing trailers and you hear the crowd like reacting to like what's happening. Like, yes. Do you think that brings something? Would you rather see it in that situation or are you okay with a totally like sterile, like trailer, trailer, trailer person's voice telling you, right. Hey, that was just X, Y, Z trailer, trailer. Like, which would you rather see? I'm okay with both to be honest, but uh, another movie comparison would be like, it's like watching a horror movie mm-hmm. in the theater versus watching yeah. it at home by yourself. You get a totally different experience when you're, reacting with other people um and and it it, there's the potential to make the event 10 times better or worse depending on crowd reaction like when xbox did i want to say the fan fest in mexico it was a mess and (laughs) and the audio was all over the place and the fan reaction seemed coached it didn't seem natural um, but then we have you have things like the Keanu Reeves coming out on stage. You would never get that with the your incredible or your what was it, your breathtaking thing. Like that's gonna stick around in gaming forever. People are gonna remember that forever. Um so I would prefer that, but I'm okay with both. But like having that really great but people you know, people alive, it's unpredictable too. So it you're is. also having to suffer red rings of death or tech demos not working or people being really robotic in script so right you know i can go both ways yeah i think it it is hard because there is something to be said for that live experience right like the the height you can achieve i think is the higher i think you're the high you can achieve is greater but i think the low you can suffer is also greater than if you have a very controlled like presentation box presentation that you just like roll right like there can still be some excitement there and people can be like that's awesome and you can actually obviously like watch along with other people who are doing live reacts and all that good stuff to kind of get the excitement but there is just something different about hearing like everyone react like when i think of like when they did the first um the last of us two trailer at yeah um, 
the PlayStation experience and the way that people reacted in the crowd, right? Like that was just like, it's just different, right? That just hits different. And the same thing of like, yeah, going to when I used to, the, the time I've gone to the theater to watch the PlayStation presentation at E3, right? When they used to do it and you could go to the theater and watch it with other PlayStation fans. Like that was fun, right? Like you're just hanging out with other people who are like, you have this common thing you like. And you're getting really geeked out about things that are probably not going to be very good sometimes. You're like, yeah. wow, this game looks amazing. You're like, yeah, it's probably not going to be like the order. Yeah. Like, you know, which I still <laughs> liked the order, but it wasn't, you know, all that. But you get really excited about those things. There's just something about that that I think that's like the fun side of being a fan, right? But yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see what Keeley does. I, I kind of like your idea of 2023 of going back to just a press thing. Um, I yeah. know fans like to go to those things, but I do think that it seemed like at least from a, and this is probably selfish on my part, my ability and my experience watching E3 was far better when there was no fans, right? It just was, it just was a better experience because the companies could focus a hundred percent on the message that they were giving for like their presentations and their, and the, when they were going to go and talk to GameSpot or IGN or kind of funny or whoever and be on their stage and talk to them. Like, that was the stuff they had to focus on and it came across much better. Like it was just, you know, they didn't have to worry about all the other stuff and I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do, but in general, I'm excited for what Keeley's going to do this summer. Um, I, I do, you know, hope that he keeps it just to June and we can still do opening like live in August. That's fine for, you know, Gamescom. That's cool, but let's, uh, yeah, let's try to keep things a little bit contained. If we're going to try to just, it literally seemed like at some points, there was like something happening that he didn't even know was happening and he would just jump on Twitch and be like, Oh yeah, it's for a summer games <laughs> fest. Like there's yeah. a, and he, like, I felt like he saw, and maybe that's not true, but it just seemed like he just did that sometimes. Yeah. Like, let me update the website really quick that this thing happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he is in a unique position of like, if you think about the things that he's been able to do, right? Like the Xbox series X, like reveal of like the console, like Elden Ring trailers, like he's had stuff from Nintendo all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, PlayStation World premieres. Like he really is able to like massage like very like things that you think would be very challenging, you know, to kind of bring together. And he's able to do it somehow, even if so even if you don't like him, um, he's able to do some interesting stuff. So we'll see. But E3, run a scared from Jeff Keeley. So let's see if Keeley can capitalize this summer. But all right, Josh. What's your next story or next topic? Ah, well, happy anniversary to, is it Agricola or Agricola? Agricola, 100%. Yeah, but isn't it about agriculture? It's Agricola. Okay, because Agricola. <laughs> it's Agricola. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll take your word for it. Uh, but if I said Agricola, it would bug you, right? So it's the 15th anniversary of Agricola, a board game um, from Uwe Rosenberg. No, wait, I should say Uwe Rosenberg <laughs> uh, is coming out. So much like we have some anniversary editions of Ticket to Ride um, and Carcassonne and all these other games, we are now getting our 15th anniversary edition <clears throat> of Agricola, uh, which came out in 2007. So the new edition is going to have fresh artwork, um, by the illustrator behind the original release, uh, Clemens Franz, uh, alongside everything included in the core version, as well as several expansion decks and promo items. Um, the artifacts in <laughs> Bubblecus <laughs> expansion decks, uh, two releases that added a collection of new cards to the game, such as Occupation and Minor Improvement cards, will be featured in Agricola 15, which is what they're calling it, Agricola 15. Uh, on top of some new inlay options, 
It will also be compatible with several existing expansions uh, released for the original game, such as the Farmers of the Moor, which is also set to receive a reprinting this year. And the expansion that increases the family board game's player count to six players. All in all, the new edition will contain a total of 430 cards, over 200 tokens, and 270 components. For people who are unfamiliar, um, Agricola is a board game for one to five players that sees opponents becoming farmers with big dreams of expansion and a huge struggle to achieve those dreams. Um, During the game, players will be looking to develop their existing farmland and begin growing food to support their family and various farm animals. Uh, On your turn, you'll be able to perform two actions on the farm, which can include performing essential tasks, such as gathering resources and building structures. However, only one player can take a certain action every round, while the others having to use their tokens on actions that are still free to perform. So, this will probably be my first time playing Agricola. I think I don't own it. I think my plan would be, I know that this is a game I've been told that I need to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like one of those board game essentials. So I'm actually kind of excited that there will be a new version that's going to come with some, I guess, maybe they're like essential expansions. I don't know why they chose the ones they chose to include with it. Um, But I'm also like unfamiliar with the game in general. So I'm not even really sure. Uh, how many expansions they are, what's considered the um, most important ones. It's also being published by Lookout Games instead of Z-Man Games. I believe Z-Man published the original, and now this is being published by Lookout Games. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I know you have played Agricola, right? Nope. Oh, I have not, actually. Huh? Um, we, uh, oh, man, am I going to be a liar now? I have played caverna yeah and a feast for odin but i've never played agricola if i recall correctly and i don't know that i would now that i have played now mm, i'm looking at it and i'm trying to remember if i have if i have i don't own it well i wouldn't blame you for confusing an uve rosenberg game for another one because they are the same games (laughs) i know well and that's the big thing is that you know uh caverna is often like kind of referred to as like the refined version of agricola yeah um and part of me feels like I should own Agricola just because, you know, it it is kind of a game that is right up my alley. I do like these really feed your people, crunchy, heavy Euro games. Like I do play them and enjoy them, even though I'm really bad at them. It, it, it's something I do like to do. I am just really confused, Josh, at the fact that this is Agricola 15, but literally, and it's like, hey, it comes with all these expansions, but not these other two. Right. That's so bizarre to me that it doesn't come with the Farmers of More or the five and six player expansion. So you're getting what is like this definitive box with almost everything. Well, they got to make their money, Kyle. (laughs) Right. Well, put the other two things in there and charge $10 more. (laughs) No, they got to charge $30 more for each expansion. (laughs) This is just so weird to me. It's like going... 90% 90% of the way and they're just yeah. stopping. It's so weird to me. Well, I mean, if you think about the seven wonders, um, new, like new printing, they could have put some expansions in that too, but instead they reprinted all of the other expansions with the new art and sold them separately also. So and that is a, 
uh, that is slightly different though in that they did reprint all the expansions completely like all right. of them right, right, right. and then we're like hey basically here's just all of new seven wonders pick and choose what you it wasn't like they included two and then left two open for you to buy that's true it was literally true. pick and choose what you want so to me that was it's almost like hmm, it's one of two things you could either say they didn't include the two things that they think are the best because they know that you'll buy them so then it's like, well, is everything that you're adding that's extra just crud? You know, like, is this like the not good stuff that you added? Like, what is so weird to me? I do want to play uh, Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, which is like the two-player version. The two-player one, yeah. Yeah, I do want to play that. I've never played that, but I would like to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've i always wanted to get the game. And when I heard that this was coming out, I was like, oh, maybe this is the thing to go on it because the box looks pretty cool, actually. Um it, yeah, I, I thought this might be the one, but I'm just so thrown off by the decisions they made with with this expand with this 15th anniversary edition. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it's not really all that anniversary. I don't know. It's just weird. Am I off on this, Josh? Um, your opinion is valid, and I appreciate you as a human being. <laughs> okay, so but but I'm wrong. I don't, have, I don't have a take. I don't have a take. I know. You know, I I never played it. I think like 15 years is a good. Like we just talked about some games that like mass like need massively to be reprinted, um, like last week or the week before. Uh, so I like appreciate it, and it's fifteen years. It's not like we're getting a reprint every five years. So like, I can appreciate that they're taking the time to do this, and they are doing new artwork and including well, some new artwork and including more content from the original game. Um, I think I mean the big question will be what are they going to ask for it price wise yeah and in comparison to the original game that you could probably just go buy at a currently at a local game store so i think that's a big thing like if it's going to be 30 dollars more maybe that's too much if it's 20 dollars more probably worth it with the expansions but i mean it, it you know it really depends i don't think you're crazy i think that that you have valid concern or complaint but like uh, it would be different, I think, if I own this game already. Yeah. Like yeah. I probably you know, maybe I wouldn't jump for it, but I did with Seven Wonders because of how much I liked the game and how much I thought the artwork was improved. For sure. So it really had to show me the value. I think one thing that is just impressive about Uwe Rosenberg is that he has, I think, eighteen board games in the top one thousand on Board Game Geek and seven yeah. in the top one hundred. Yeah. <laughs> Once he knows that a mechanic works, he sticks yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. So he is he is a definitely a prolific uh, designer of board games and and I have liked everything of his I have played. Um, I still need to play some of his lighter stuff because I've never played Patchwork, I've never played Glass Road. Um, so I, I definitely need to. You should just uh, download the Patrick app. It's very good. Oh, I've heard very good things about it. That's true. That's true. So um, I, that this one is light. I I do want to play Howler Toe, um, which is his newer game mm-hmm. that came out like tw- in twenty twenty I think. Um, and I haven't had a chance to play yet, but it's kind of on the on his traditional heavy side of, you know, Caverna, Agricola, that side. So I do, I do want to give that one a shot as well at some point. So, you know, another $80 Euro game because there's so many bits and bops in it. So, but yeah, cool. All right, Josh, anything else about uh, Agricola's 15th anniversary edition? No, 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 no. Awesome. All right, Josh. So my last story uh, is the, you know, much rumored, uh, 
Spartacus has been announced, but uh, nobody's running scared from this thing. Um, and it definitely is not kicking any people's into wells. Um, so, Josh, uh, the all-new PlayStation Plus, uh, according to the PlayStation blog, the all-new PlayStation Plus launches in June with 700-plus games and more value than ever. But basically, uh, PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now are being kind of put together into this three-tiered system. Um, and it's basically what everybody thought it was going to be, right? It was like what all the leaks indicated it was going to be. Um, and that you basically have PlayStation Plus Essential, PlayStation Plus Extra, and PlayStation Plus Premium. So I want to call these PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Plus Plus, and PlayStation Plus Plus Plus, or something similar to that. Yeah. I was going to start calling them like, <laughs> it's like there's be like PlayStation P, PlayStation PP, and PlayStation PPP. But then I was like, okay, this is getting way too. But anyway, so basically, PlayStation Plus Essential is basically what PlayStation Plus is right now, right? Yeah. You get your games every month. You get cloud storage. You get online gaming, sales, all that good stuff. So PlayStation Plus Essential, no change in price, exactly what you are typically getting for PlayStation Plus right now. Uh, PlayStation Plus Extra basically is the same as the Essential tier, plus getting 400 uh, PS4 and PS5 games that are available for you to play uh, via download. Um, so that one then bumps up to $15 a month for that guy or 100 bucks a year. Um, and then PlayStation Plus Premium. Um, all of the things of the previous two tiers, um, plus additional PS3, PSP, PS2, and PS1 games, um, and cloud streaming, and time-limited game trials. Um, and then that is 18 bucks a month or $120 for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually, I think, I went back and looked, pretty darn close to, like, Donnie and I were having a conversation of, like, what we thought this was going to be. And this is like really, really close to what we had said yeah. um, of what we kind of thought it was going to be and pretty darn close to on the pricing, actually. It's all pretty in line. So I don't know. I When this news released, I was I, I was like, OK, like it's just it's fine. It's like I think this is some of like the most like and this is kind of one of the things when I think potentially um, when news leaks happen, sometimes it's helpful. Because, you know, there were things out there that people were, like, saying, well, maybe they're going to do day one games. And maybe we're going to be able to download our PS3 games. Like, all these things were things that people were theorizing when just Spartacus, the code name, was out there of what they were doing. And then when this leaked pretty reliably about a week ahead of time, and we kind of saw what it was going to be, everyone was like, well, okay. I mean, I guess it's fine. It literal, it literally is taking PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now and smacking them together, right? That's basically what's happening. Um. So then when it was announced, everyone was like, okay. Like, that was it. Like, right? There was, yeah. like, no, like, super, super hype. You know, maybe some disappointment if people hadn't been super listening to kind of what everyone had been saying. But, like, it is exactly what we thought it was going to be for better or for worse. So when this was announced, Josh, what were your thoughts? What did you think about it? Excited for this revision of PlayStation Plus? What are you, what are you thinking? If I'm going to be honest, I didn't care. I had no interest. Yeah. <clears throat> I expected it to be... Yeah, right around this. Um, uh, I I don't say this to be mean. PlayStation games, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 games look horrible now. Maybe not 3. PlayStation 1 and 2 uh, games. Even PlayStation 3 games look horrible. In fact, I would I still argue PlayStation 1 games are unplayable. And I will still and I will also argue GoldenEye on the N64 is unplayable. Uh, there's just games that don't age well because of pixels and what we like 8-bit games, 16-bit games, 32-bit games. They still look great. In fact, 
there are people who are releasing new games constantly that are using that style of graphics. PlayStation 1 games, it's so bad. Uh, in fact, I tried to enjoy them. I really did. I have so many fond memories. Um, but I also wouldn't go back and play an Xbox, original Xbox game. Because they're hard. They look, they just don't age well. Um, so I have like no interest in playing this back catalog. PSP games, yeah, because PSP games look good. I don't know how they would translate them, emulate them to I know. current gen. So I'd be curious on how that works. Um, but not for this price. Uh, I also really love the wording under the PlayStation Plus Extra where it says, adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 yeah. and PS5 games, according to them. According to them. <laughs> like, what do you describe as the most enjoyable games? Like, what a weird phrasing. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they're not going to say, like, the least enjoyable. <laughs> just say up to 400 PS4 and PS5 games. <laughs> like, it's so such a weird phrasing. Um, but, hey, you know, there's 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 definitely a group of people out there who are excited to play these older games, and if they can still find enjoyment out of them, I'm happy for them. But I know I can't go play Siphon Filter or Parasite Eve and think that the game plays good or looks good. You're basically taking a three-dimensional cube and trying to move it. <laughs> That's how bad some of the graphics look. Uh, it's it, just not fun. It is a little rough. And that kind of one of the things I was thinking of with you know this PlayStation Plus Premium is that if PSP, the PSP only had one analog stick. So how are... Yeah. How is this going to wor- work? You know, like well, I'm trying to think of, like, use the D-pad, I bet. I guess. Yeah. I don't, it's, just, it's weird. So this is, yeah. I, like I said, I was complete. I, I was, when this was announced, I was like, okay, yeah, cool. It is what I it guess. is, right? Yeah. It, it very much like, I think that from PlayStation's perspective, I think honestly, their hope is that they get some people to jump from the PlayStation plus essential up to the extra of just having this catalog of like 400 current games, current ish games that they can play. I really think that is the one that they are hoping to get the most people into. I think the essential is for or premium, excuse me. I can't even call them the right things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yay. Not as bad, not quite as bad. It's like as the Square Xbox naming, naming convention. convention. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh premium is like for, I don't know who it's for totally, to be honest. Cause like you said, I, I do have PlayStation now, um, so actually for me, for a while, I will have premium actually until crud for a while, like 2023, 2024, because I got I got PlayStation, PlayStation Now cards really cheap, um, so I'll have it for a while, uh, but I, I mean, and I do use it from time to time, but I always talk about how like, you know, backwards compatibility, <clears throat> excuse me, isn't a thing that's like a huge deal to me, and that I'm constantly moving forward, I don't go back and replay games all that often, Um so every once in a while, I'm like, am I right about this? Like, should I, shouldn't I try these things? And I go back and try them and it just, I feel kind of bad, but I'm just so cult of the new. It's like, that just is yeah. crud. Like, it just isn't that good. And maybe if they took the time to invest in like updating and upgrading and, and, and making those games look better and feel better, I would feel differently about it. But that's just not what PlayStation cares about right now. They care about making the best AAA games on the market, right? Like that is their thing. And if you don't think that they make the best, that's fine, but that's what they are trying to do, right? That is where their investment is. That is where their money goes. That is what they market themselves as, as making these best boutique experiences for the, you know, real gamer. Like that's really what they're all about. Um, so this just isn't that important. You know, when people made the jokes about, 
Jim Ryan talking about like who would want to go back and play Gran Turismo on PlayStation One. Like it is kind of funny, but he also kind of means it. Like that's not what they're about. They just aren't. So, uh, and if you don't agree with that, that's fine. Then you know that that is a hundred percent okay. Um, so we'll see. I think the biggest thing to know is what exactly these game libraries look like. I, I think that it seems reasonable that they'd be pretty um, spot on with what PlayStation now is. But I will say for like um, the PlayStation plus premium tier, the 340 additional games, like there's like, I think over 300 PS three games on PlayStation now, right now. Yeah. So I do really wonder, haven't? yeah, like what that's going to look like uh, and how many there of these PSP, PS two and PS one games are there actually going to be. Um, and maybe are they going to because like and there's like games the ps3 games that are notable that are missing like you cannot play all the resistance games it's like how is that not a thing why can't you play all the resistance games but you can't um so it, it'll be really i think once they release what the catalogs are for these things especially for the ps4 and ps5 games because playstation now right now doesn't have any ps5 versions of games that i can recall on this on the service but yeah i mean like i said i think it's totally fine i it, this isn't a thing that's like a great boon or a great bus it's just is what it is it's kind of like okay next like i i don't know i felt pretty indifferent about it overall so so we'll see anything else josh about uh spartacus aka playstation p playstation pp playstation pppp playstation ppe playstation ppe extra (laughs) (laughs) pppp yeah so yeah and the names aren't great essential extra premium especially when you go eep yeah anyway i think the big problem was everyone was expecting this to be the game pass competitor and it doesn't need to be it just needs to be something new for playstation yeah well and you know and jim ryan went and did that interview where he talked about like that they're not prepared to and it's making the rounds because everyone's making the joke about how he talked about like their virtuous development cycle yes um and it is a funny statement right like that is but you know i and not saying that (laughs) that wording was good but kind of like i mentioned before like that is what playstation is focused on there they have traditionally said our games are worth the investment our games yeah. are worth the 70 dollars for ps5 games right yeah and I, this is not me knocking xbox but like by ha- putting all of your games in game pass in a subscription service you devalue the game you just do and that's not a bad thing that doesn't mean the games are bad but the value proposition for the game just decreases right like because you don't it's kind of like the mobile market. Like you don't, you're basically saying our games aren't worth the price of admission. Uh, I I don't agree with that, but that's a different argument for a different day. <laughs> I, I I have said this from day one. I know you have. Know that you. PlayStation should push that hard, that our games are worth it. And no, and I, I, I agree it. with you on that. I agree with you yeah. on the PlayStation aspect. Like yeah. if you don't value yourself, no one else is going to value you. Correct. I Correct. just, I don't think that, Microsoft is saying that with their games because then they put out the data of sales for these games that are on Game Pass and it is right. showing a value. It's just right. a different I, idea of value. For sure. Yeah. Well, just like though, like on the mobile market, right? Like free to play games still crush the mo- like mobile market still absolutely yeah. destroys console yeah. market 100%, right? Like, would any of us argue that the quality of a mobile game, which has a ton of value that's free to play and is making hand over fist more money? than right. any games on console but those like, are driven yeah, by microtransactions that's, and that's not where you're getting from xbox I, right but even like something on apple arcade right like right the apple arcade is like it's the ease of access that's the feature that there's always something used to play it that's the feature it's not necessarily what that thing is it's just that there is something yeah there no, is always new you. content so 
But and like I said, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I subscribe to Game Pass. Like you know, I, I played Avid. Avid on PC. Avid. Yeah, like, the I best value it, in like, gaming. Right. It 100 is. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a different approach. Sure. That it's all about. There's always new content here. You know. So okay, Josh. Uh, with that, we are recording on Monday night, but nothing excited happened this week or today. So let's predict what we think is going to happen this week before we record our next show as we make predictions, Josh. So what do you think as we you know move towards wrapping things up? What is going to be your prediction for what will happen this week in gaming? Well, speaking of Game Pass, I, I just I have a feeling we got a big Game Pass announcement coming up soon. I don't know what it could be, um, but I feel like uh, it could even be GTA V. I think we're going to see uh, a big Game Pass announcement, a big one, two, or three games that like people didn't see coming added to the service because uh, they're about due for another tweet about games coming to Game Pass this week. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I wonder what that would be. GTA is a good one. I don't know if they're going to do that quite. I don't yet. know that I would consider GTA big because it already was on yeah. Game Pass, but right. people are kind of going nuts over it all over all over again. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we could see another game that is being sold on PlayStation at the same time going on Game Pass for free, kind of like Weird West. Not mm. not using that example, but I didn't realize it was multi-platform. So right. when I saw it on the PlayStation Store, I was like, oh, wait, I already have this game <laughs> for free, kind of, technically. Kind of, technically. <clears throat> so, so now so we'll see. Here's, I don't know. here's the question then, Josh. Since you saw it on the PlayStation Store and you know that it's free, when you saw the price on the PlayStation Store, did you think that the game was worth that price? Well, I haven't tried the game yet, so I don't know. I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to prove my point, Josh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, big Game Pass edition. I'm always interested. They always kind of do. I was trying to think of anything that was coming soon that would be like a, make sense. And like the um, whoa, shoot, uh, Blood Hunt, whatever that game. Oh, the vampire one. That vampire game that got announced for the end of the month. But is that coming to Xbox right away? I don't know. I think that might be a timed doing, PlayStation game. Yeah, they were doing their marketing with PlayStation, so I don't know. But like potentially, like that might be a, a good option. I think that type of game would fit for that but oh now it's a free-to-play game so you don't need to worry about that oh, never mind then pass. forget that okay <laughs> okay um for me uh my um, okay so let's just say the, the whatever this playstation purchase that's supposed to be so big is finally going to get announced <laughs> yeah. i think that they you know the fiscal year has ended they didn't see probably the bump they were hoping for you know when they announced spartacus uh so let's start the new year with a bang the new fiscal year with a bang um and they're going to now announce whatever this purchase is uh, I have no idea what it is. I don't even know if it's real, but hey, why not? PlayStation's <laughs> buying something. What the heck? Uh, any emails this week, Josh? Yeah. Uh, do we have a Calico Corner? We do. Oh, uh, yes! Paul is okay if I abbreviate it because he, he, I I am happy to read Paul's emails. They're long, <laughs> but I'm happy to see what he's up to. But he said, he's like, I'm okay if you abbreviate uh, what I what I say. He's, he's not a big, he's not a big Foo Fighters fan. Uh, we were talking about them last week, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, but he says, you know, death is that sucks. Yeah, I agree. It does. sucks. He said, thank you for watching the duel. Now I don't have to. You're welcome. I'm glad that someone could suffer. For, so ease some suffering from some par- some parts of that movie. Uh, that movie was good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was looking at the pictures of Unmatched that I shared. He said it reminds him of Heroclix. I can definitely see that um, a little bit. You know, uh, where I'll, where I'll have our things that we like. I'm not a big miniatures. Like I never got to Heroclix. Um, I don't know why. 
but th- there was like yeah. so many hero clicks at the time they were out. Oh, goodness gracious, it a lot. Yeah. Um, he's looking forward to Lego Sky- Skywalker. He's looking forward to the the new Lego Star Wars uh, nine <laughs> game series. Um, I think positive he has like 119 hours in Horizon Forbidden West. Whoa, way more than me. I'm I think you shared that in our Discord. He's not going to play Elden Ring out of spite. I'm not sure why he doesn't elaborate on <laughs> the spite. Um, he did watch Halo. He thought Halo was good. And he understands that Master Chief is a silent protagonist that never takes off his helmet in the game. But he also understands the comparisons between the Mandalorian. Uh, he does watch Bot Bots on Netflix, which is a new Transformers show that my son just started watching, which is funny because he says that my son might enjoy it. Um and that is a new show on Netflix, which is like Transformers in the Mall, where they're like hamburgers and flashlights oh, that great. and uh, bonsai trees. And there's a whole custodial crew, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, there's a plunger with eyes. Like, there's, it's pretty, it's, I actually laughed a little bit when I was watching it with my son. So check out BotBots on uh, Netflix. Uh, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, that's, a, that's the abbreviated. Uh, email from Paul that we got. Uh, no other comments from the peanut gallery, though. Just Paul chiming in this week. Gotcha. Well, hey, remember, you can always hit us up uh, at Board of VG uh, on Twitter or Board of VG at gmail.com. Uh, so with that, we're going to move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to leave you with one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced lifestyle. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? So I was going back and forth on I kind of like briefly talked about Halo last week. I do want to elaborate on it. Um, I don't really talk about Moon Knight too much. I do want to elaborate on that, but um, I'll give them some more episodes before I talk about them. So um, what started as a April Fool's joke announcement of Cliff Beast 6 coming to Netflix turned out to be an actual real movie announcement called The Bubble, uh, written and directed by Judd Apatow. Uh, starring David Duchovny, Karen Gillan, um, Michael uh, Michael Keegan. No, not Michael Keegan. Uh, what's his first name? Is it Michael Keegan Key? What? Why am I forgetting his name? Key and Peele. Yeah. Jordan Peele. Michael Keegan Key, right? Yeah, okay. I've, it just sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Like it sounds like that's not his name. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, Judd Apatow's daughter's in it. Also, uh, his wife, Leslie Mann, is in it. Um, <laughs> Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. There we that's go. What I'm like, it still sounded wrong. I'm like, that's, that's, I'm like that feels right, but not that? quite. Yeah. I didn't hear it. Yeah, my wife was saying it, and I just couldn't. I was just toning her up. Oh, Toning gotcha. her up? Not toning her up. Uh, words are hard sometimes. Especially yes, when you put them together to form a sentence. Um, yeah. I thought it was very funny. Uh, who's the guy who played the tick? He's also in it. The newer tick. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and it also has um, Kate McKinnon. And I won't ruin this. Some surprise actors in it as well. Um, yeah, it's essentially the story of uh, I watched Leslie Mann on Hot Ones and she was talking about how Judd was just like, calling actors who were working on film sets during the pandemic and asking them about their experiences about what it was like. So while this is a crazy comedy, it is also like borrowing from real world experiences of what actors had to go through. So the bubble, obviously like if people don't know refers to 
uh, what a lot of sports teams did and also apparently film studios did where they will fly out a group of people, quarantine them all at the same time, and then lock them in a location so that they they reduce the odds of getting COVID. Mm -hmm. And it's just a very funny movie where uh, they're actors who basically are all like genuinely like not great human beings and also don't (laughs) necessarily, oh, Pedro Pascal's in it too. You also really don't just like enjoy each other's company and you kind of have to see what they're like when they kind of have to turn off the facade of I'm a nice person and because they're just stuck with these people 24 seven. And also Fred Armisen plays the director and it's kind of a crazy situation that he puts himself in and his actors. And uh, I just thought it was uh, very funny. Um, in a very Judd Apatow way. Like if you don't like Judd Apatow's films, it's probably isn't for you, but um, I thought it was a, a fun watch. So if you just want to sit down and turn your brain off for two hours, it was pretty long. Uh, oh, wow. Bubble. That surprises me. Yeah. It surprised me too. Um, check out the bubble. I thought it was, I thought it was really, uh, really funny. Awesome. That is on my to watch list. So, uh, my recommendation, uh, I changed it the last minute because this is just something yeah, I how you watched. It. Yeah. Um, and this is a, a documentary on Hulu. It came out, I think, 2018 or so uh, called The Biggest Small Farm. Uh, and it looks at the this couple who uh, decides that they are going to kind of give up the lives that they have been living to go and start this farm. Um, and, and the goal is to create this farm with as much biodiversity as possible. Um, rather than, you know, the typical like large farming operations you see of like monocropping or monoanimaling of just having one of something, you just make as much of it as you can. We try to create as diverse of a group of plants and animals that they possibly can on this farm. And that's kind of the experience that they go through in doing this. Um, I it, It's really interesting watching this this documentary. It's shot beautifully because the guy in it is actually like a natural geographic like um, camera guy. So yeah. like his so obviously like he is able to shoot things very very beautifully like like so that works out in its favor so it's shot very beautifully, but just the the everything that they go through and kind of that life and and giving up this thing where they like these two people like did nothing with farming like well kind of I mean she was like a, a food blogger and chef and he did you know National <laughs> geographic stuff so not really farming but like in the sense of like they were like in, they were in and around food and animals yeah. all the time yeah. but they were never farming right so seeing them like do this and then like they have like their first group of small pigs and then they're like well we're a farm so uh i guess these pigs gotta go somewhere to make us some money and just seeing them wrestle with that yeah because right like if you grow up on a farm like this is part of like what happens but like if you're not used to that then like you're like oh my gosh look how cute these piggies are and this one's gonna this, kill and, one of them. <laughs> and now we have to go send them all to make a become pork to make us money you know and like just this process that they go through and just like the challenges that they have and like dude so many i'm just gonna put it out there people so many animals die so if you're not okay with animals dying animals die left and right during this movie um and it was really hard for me to watch, actually, because I was like, my gosh, like, I don't know if I could do this. Like, right. right. Like, 
you hear about like how like they're like oh we like gave up our lives to go live on the land and it just seems so like romantic right and it just seemed when watching this movie i was like this seems so hard so hard and they i think they do a really good unabashed look of like the challenges but then also the benefits of overcoming those challenges. Um, so it is, like I said, it's on Hulu uh, called The Biggest Small Farm. Uh, if you like documentaries or you're interested in farming or even like kind of like if you're one of those people who's like, oh, the industrial food complex, you want to find out like other ways people are doing it. Um, it's a really interesting film to check out. So check it out on Hulu. So, Josh, hey, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji. So f- f- feel free to use that hashtag as well on social media, on all your social medias. This is what happens when I don't read the words and I just say things. Remember, word sentences are hard. Uh, Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or a very own standalone board with video games feed. Uh, Yeah, you can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, uh, Twitch, Steam, Board Game Geek. Why so serious? That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Sounds like Rost. I just wanted to uh, send you a little message. I believe you've known each other for quite some time, but you've never met in person. Well, as an outsider, I understand that. But keep training. Keep focused on each other. Have each other's backs. And keep broadcasting that podcast. You're doing God's work. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Best of luck. Rost.